Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to Mastermind.fm. Your hosts today are Ninja James Laws and myself, Jean Galea. Today, we have a special guest, Chris Lema. As we recorded already this uh, episode with Chris, it was really insightful. It was great to have him with us. And uh, I'd like to discuss a few points as a teaser to what comes in the full interview. So, James, why don't you start things off with what uh, the, the salient points of this interview were for you? Yeah, so it, w- it was awesome having Chris on. We, had, I, we you know, I just spent a little time with him in Cabo at Cabo Press. And so we kind of started off the episode talking about that. And it was really interesting hearing him talk about it because obviously it's his conference and he can pitch it better than anyone else. Like we kind of come out starstruck, but he he has a purpose and a goal. And it was really awesome kind of hearing his heart and his, his motivations for starting Cabo Press. And I think his points were pretty solid, right? Like uh, he, he kind of mentions talking about being in big conferences and just being overloaded with information. And there's only so much stuff you can act on and keep that excitement going and so he talks a little bit about that and I, I thought that was a really good point and I, I think I, that's what I do appreciate from Cabo Press. Uh, we also talked a little bit about got into pricing uh, which you know I, I kind of joke about you can't have Chris Lemma on the podcast and not talk about pricing and so I asked him kind of a kind of a point blank Ninja Forms question that we're dealing with and stealing with and he kind of uh, put me uh, put me in my place basically pointing out that there are some questions that we have to answer before we can even tackle the issue of whether or not the pricing structure we're wanting to do uh, is correct. And so you should listen to it because you may find yourself asking those same kinds of pricing questions. And some of the challenges that he makes about segmentation will kind of make you step back and go, you, well, we're not even ready to make this decision yet. Yeah, for sure. Then the question that you asked was actually applicable 100% to our business. And I'm sure the majority of WordPress businesses and it's like um, Chris, Chris's reply was really, really made me think and I'm going to be sure to discuss the, the segmentation that he mentioned with the rest of my team during the coming weeks. Uh, we we also spoke about geographical pricing, something we've already spoken about in previous episodes, the whole GPL thing and how to price, how not to price out people, especially in poorer areas of the world. And so we've we discussed that with Chris and that also led to his mentioning of the SaaS model and why most of us should be seriously thinking of moving towards a SaaS model. And obviously the big problem with building a SaaS business, the fact that most of us really don't have any clue on how to start building such a product and uh, thankfully um, Chris is working on something that should be helpful for all of us in terms of educational materials. I was really excited about that. So he started to kind of hint at, because I kind of, he joked about all of the reasons why plugins should be a SaaS. And, and I kind of, I kind of poked back and saying, so when's that book going to come out? And he's tackling it from a different side, which is the side you mentioned, right? Like we know that most of us know we want to be in the SaaS space, or we think that's the right move for our product or our business. But we just don't know how to tackle it. It's a. It seems almost like an insurmountable task to get into that space and and to figure out how do you market it, how do you build it, what's the infrastructure look like, how do you you know just how do you manage all of that? And it sounds like uh, that he's working on a solution, whether that become a courseware or a consulting. I, we have no idea what he's talking about, but he said to be looking for an announcement. And so when we know. You will know because we will talk about it a little bit at that time because we're really excited about that. So, yeah, I was really excited to hear about that. For sure. So without further ado, here's the interview with Chris. And before we start, a short message from our sponsor. This episode has been brought to you by SiteGround. 
A number of SiteGround's users find out about their exceptional WordPress hosting service thanks to people like you, WordPress professionals whom your friends and audience turn to for a trusted opinion. The demand for a reliable, well-supported, and high-performing hosting partner is ever-growing. Even if you're not looking for hosting services yourself, your followers, clients, or contacts might be. SiteGround offers top-notch hosting infrastructure with a complete set of WordPress management and developer tools. You can benefit from recommending a quality hosting service, make some extra income for the effort, and keep the trust of your audience. On average, WordPress consultants, theme, or plugin developers can earn $125 per referral as SiteGround affiliates without being professional marketers. SiteGround offers one of the shortest hold periods, sends payments every week, and works hands-on with their most committed partners. So join their affiliate program now. SiteGround, your trusted hosting partner. To learn more, visit SiteGround.com forward slash mastermind. So first, we want to just welcome Chris Lemma uh, to be as a guest host on Mastermind.fm. Thank you for taking some time to be with us. It's great to be and, here. Uh, thank you. We, uh, we just, so I want to start off because we had three episodes where we mentioned, I, I was pointed out that we have mentioned Cabo Press in the last three episodes that we put out. So, so that we don't get caught on to an entire episode, let's talk about Cabo Press a little bit in the front end because there's, there's no way we can't talk about it when we have the person who puts on Cabo Press. Uh, let's talk about that a little bit. So can you, for those people who, who got my representation of Cabo Press in the last episode, why don't you give a quick overview of what Cabo Press is to you as the person who puts it on? Sure. So um, I don't know if you're like most of the folks that I know and like me at all, but I've been to countless conferences where uh, they pack three days of sessions or two days of sessions where it is the morning session starts at nine the last session ends at 6 or 7 p.m., and you're in one hour after another hour after another hour. And so what tends to happen is uh, that really amazing idea that you got in the morning is overwashed and, and displaced by six more sessions. On top of which, there's only so much my system, my internal system, can process in terms of excitement, right? The endorphins kick in after the first or second motivational talk and that I really want to act, but I don't act on it because I'm in six more sessions where I haven't acted. And so the endorphin rush is gone. The, the, you know, dynamic is over and now I'm just overwhelmed. Right. And the last thing that these people want when they put on a conference is for you to feel overwhelmed. And yet more often than not, uh, that's what happens. So I wanted to create a conference that was the, uh, antithesis of that, right. Was a conference where you, got really great information in a short window, and then it allowed you to ruminate, process, even ask other people questions about it um, so that it really solidified and you had a takeaway. And so Cabo Press is, uh, is a conference that runs from nine to 12 on, you know, for three days, right? Uh, and that's, that's a crazy conference because most conferences just don't use that schedule. Now, the other dynamic that happens in these kinds of places is you go to a big conference, right? It's, it's large, there's tons of people, and you end up being alone. You're like, oh, this is kind of crazy. There's like 2,000 people here, and I feel all alone. And so Cabo Press is a, uh, is a conference where there's only a limited number of people, and uh, for the most part, you can talk to all of the people there, and you can get to know all the people. In fact, over the last three years, several key relationships have come out out of this dynamic of having 
a smaller set of people. So we maxed out this year with 50 participants. We may scale it back to 45 uh, next year just because there was some additional logistics I had to deal with when you add the hosts and you add some of the spouses and all of a sudden it's a bigger group and there's more vans required. But fundamentally, somewhere between 30 and 45 people is where you can get to talk to all the people you want to and connect and um, and you don't feel alone. Right. The other dynamic is that most of the company, everyone has to apply to get in. Um, but when you go through the process of selecting uh, the, the curated people who are accepted uh, and participants of the conference, you're you're getting people in a lot of close proximity in terms of stage of business. So people may be just six months ahead of you or six months behind you, but you're going through some of the same things. Right. So I and in fact, one person who came to the conference this year, I rejected. Uh, and then he asked me why. And I explained, you're like 20 years ahead of everybody else. Like, this is not going to be fun for you. And uh, and then he said, no, 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 that's not true, because here's why, blah, blah, blah. And I said, oh, OK, I'll let you in. Right. So he came in. But, you know, if everyone else has 20 employees or 40 employees or five employees and you have 2000 employees or if you're talking to a company that, you know, one of our hosts was GoDaddy. And we had a great conversation when we were talking about hiring um, where, you know, Someone will say they have a team of four people and they'll say, this is what we do in hiring. Right. And you go, yeah, that works. That works for four people. I'm not sure it works for 40. And then someone else would say, well, here's what we do at, you know, at 40 or even 400. And then Jeff King, who's running GoDaddy (laughs) hosting is like, that's cute. None of that works at 4,000. Right. Or 40,000. Right. So you, you end up having, you want to have enough voice in enough situations that help, but you don't want such disparity that if, if someone were to say, well, here's my branding strategy, and they start telling you about buying billboards, and you're a company of three people going, there's, n- there's no way my product can afford to buy a billboard, right? You don't want that kind of thing, right? And, and I've gone to conferences where the guy on stage is talking about a strategy that I cannot use, right? Yeah. And I go, oh, I don't want that. So Cabo Press is a conference that's run for three hours a day. It is a conference that's run with a finite and small set of participants. It is a conference where there are no presenters, there are just discussions, right? And so what you might consider a keynote person is there in in a pool helping the conversation move forward and giving insights, but there's no talking and there's no, no big predicated speeches, right? It is all just uh, conversation and dialogue. And Cabo Press is held in a five-star resort in Cabo San Lucas um, because it is a perfect environment for you to relax. And what tends to happen when you relax, when you've had a few drinks, when you're taking it easy, is you get to be honest. And I think my default is every single time I've ever learned anything, it's been because I first started by saying, here's what I don't know, here's what I don't get, here's what I'm struggling with, here's what's frustrating me. And most conferences and most hallway tracks, it's a chest pounding, here's how I'm killing it uh, conversation. And and I didn't want that. I didn't want another one of those conferences. So uh, it's designed to help you rest, relax, let your hair down, um, even recoup a bit from the pace of your regular week. Uh, you dis you disengage a bit. All the the entire conversations are all held in a pool, at least the formal ones. And so people don't even have laptops open, right? Uh, it's a great way to have conversation. So uh, that's that's Kyle Press in a nutshell. The top WordPress plugin and service providers show up or theme plug, like products. All the commercial players, so yeah. products and services. It's a 50-50 split, and they come and hang out in a pool in Cabo with me for uh, several days, and and so far it's gone well. 
Well, as expected, that was an awesome kind of overview of what Cabo Press is. And I want to just kind of mirror, I said this in the last episode, but this is really important when uh, I think Jean asked me what I would change or what I would like to see different at Cabo Press. And I told him, I said, the only difference I would want to see is actually in me. The difference I would want to see is that I would be more vulnerable, that I would ask more questions, that I would come more prepared, that I would, you know, the things that a lot of people we miss, we kind of come to a conference and we, or, and this is not a conference by any means. And I try to explain that to people. This really is a mastermind of businesses just talking about it. And you may get into a session, like you said, where somebody's talking about hiring and they're talking about a team of 400 and you're like, I'm a team of 11. Like, how do I apply this? But the conversations that take place after that, because of that facilitation take place and it keeps going. And it's, it's an awesome event and I think it's great. So I wanted to ask you a question about this because I, we have written and we, we posted some of the articles on our last episode in the show notes. A lot of people have written their overviews of Cabo Press and what they got out of it and what their takeaways were. And I want to know what your takeaway was. Like, as the host, as a person who's sitting in all of these conversations, and you're probably you're probably in more of them than anyone, and probably answering more questions than asking. I want to know what did what did you take away from Cabo Press this year? So, um, I, every year it's roughly speaking the same, right? Uh, this year was no different. I did. I wondered because it was a little bit bigger. Would I would I get the chance to talk to everyone? I didn't have in-depth conversations with every single participant. Um, and that's always a bit of a bummer because you're like, okay, uh, I think I, I, there was about 20% of the people that we had a, a, a casual conversation, but we didn't go deep. But, um, but what I love most about the conference, um, the reason I keep doing it, is the opportunity to sit with someone and, and, and listen and then say, I think you're asking the wrong question. I think, I think that question isn't even the question. That's not even in the top 200 questions I'd be asking if I were you. Here's the question I would ask if I were you. And to watch light bulbs go on for them and to watch their entire career trajectory, their entire business model, their entire plan shift in that moment because they're like, I've been letting my insecurity drive my destination. And I can't tell you the number of people. And, you know, uh, the WordPress ecosystem is still relatively young. And so you have a lot of young people. They're doing things that maybe they're doing for the first time. And I can't tell you the number of people who let insecurity drive their destination. And my big favorite takeaway of, of the conference every year, this year I had three or four of those conversations where I, I looked, so I listened and I just went, hmm, you know, I think, I think you're asking the wrong thing. Um, I think you're focused on the wrong thing. You already have a gold mine. Like you're already sitting on top of something so amazing. Let's just change the lens that you're looking through. And then they're like, really? Like, we, you know, you were in the pool. At one point we were talking with David Payette and Payette and Payette runs Payette Forward. And I don't, I don't remember how many millions of page views he gets, uh, <laughs> you know, every month, but it's, it's, it's ridiculous, right? And he's talking about like this other thing and needing to change this and change that. And you're like, stop, right? At one point, Jason Cohen looked at him and just said, you know, the thing that you consider to be baseline for you is the thing that everybody else is begging to try and get to. And the thing that you're trying to go after is the other thing that's really quite easy for most everyone, right? So you're you're really focused in the wrong wrong place, right? If you have a million or two million or six million people coming to your website every single month, right, you've solved the big problem. Now let's just go figure out how, how to help you monetize it. But you've solved the big problem because you got eyeballs, right? And no one else has those kind of eyeballs. So 
having those conversations are always a big takeaway. I feel the privilege of being in that conversation. Um, I feel the joy of watching the pivot. Um, and, and you finally get to say to someone, I, I think you're doing an incredible job at something that I don't think you realize how awesome you are at. And especially when you've touched and interacted with so many different companies, the opportunity to level set them a reset expectation and say, you're killing it already. Let's just get your insecurity and put it on the shelf and help you move forward. That's, that's my favorite every time. That's awesome. Yeah. And that actually, I, I had a second question, but you just answered it because I, one of one of the things I wondered was what hearing these conversations and constantly being in these one-on-ones and in these group sessions, what are the challenges that you see in these businesses? And a lot, it sounds like some of the challenges you see is just that they don't, they're not, they're focused on the wrong thing in their business. They're, they're misfocused or they don't, they don't recognize the opportunity or the gold mine that they're sitting on. They're copying someone else. Yeah. Right. And, and, uh, I, I gotta tell you, right? If you if you go to karaoke and you sing a song and you sound like the person who sang the song, everyone cheers, right? You're like, oh my god, right. like he sang that Beatles song and he sounds just like the Beatles, or he sang that you know Eagles song and he sounds just like the Eagles, and you're like, this is amazing. But, um, but it's really remarkable when someone gets up and sings a song and they sound uniquely like them. Yeah, that's the one you talk about for the next few weeks, right? I saw a girl on one of these competitions where she sings a song and she walked up, everyone else in the competition on, on, you know, on TV and whatever, um, they all are singing someone else's song. And she walked up and said, I'm going to sing an original. And she sang this original. She ended up becoming the winner of the America's Got Talent TV show this last season. And she's 12, right? Yeah. Um, but she sang an original and the world exploded. Like every other person started creating their own cover of her original and posting on, on YouTube and you're watching this and you're going, these people are doing covers of her song instead of her doing a cover of someone else's song. Right. And, and that's, that's what I, that, that's what I yearn for people, right. Is sing your own song, yeah. right. Sing your own song. Don't start copying someone else's and hoping for their results and trying to be someone you're not sing your own song. And, you know, on somewhat on a subconscious level, we all know this because we all watch the American Idols, the America's Got Talent, The Voice. And when somebody comes out, and even if it's a cover, but they add a creative twist to it, they do it in their style, they they rewrite the melody a little bit, they, they change the hook or whatever, it's then that we're the most impressed by them, right? We watch that and we're like, and just like you said, we watch somebody be their own star, come up with their own style, their own way. They took a country song and turned it rock. They took a, you know, an R&B song and turned it country or whatever. And you just listen to it and you're like, that's an artist. That's a person who is uniquely positioned to do music. And we know this subconsciously, but then when we're in our own businesses and our own products, somehow we just throw that all out the door and copy everyone else. Yep. That's, yeah. Wow. So, um, this is really good. Um, uh, I, I love this idea, but what I would like to ask is how do people actually, how do you suggest people keep the focus throughout the rest of the year then? Because obviously it's great to be in Cabo, get these insights, but how do you sustain them during the year? Especially for people who are not uh, around others that, you know, they can bounce ideas around people who are maybe in other countries where, or cities where they're alone doing WordPress, you know, in that solitary confinement kind of. Well, today for two ninety nine a month, no, I'm just kidding. Um, uh, I, I think one of the things I hope uh, that happens at, at Cabo Press is that people build some relationships so that they can go offline, they can go uh, in the off season, if you will, and connect and keep talking. And we've seen that happen 
over several years, some of the people have met for the first time. It was great to see some companies come back this year as alumni, where last year they were wallflowers. Like Chris told me to be here and I came and I didn't know uh, what I was doing, right? The Beaver Builder guys were hilarious last year. <laughs> I didn't talk to anyone silent, just kind of watching. And over the last year, their business has taken off. Um, they made some changes last year that allowed their business this year to totally take off. And, and you're watching them interact with different people, right? And connecting and building that relationship so that you know, yeah, by the time they go home, they're going to keep talking. They're going to keep pushing each other. They're going to, that's the notion of the mastermind is that ability to keep holding each other accountable, right? What did you yeah. say you're going to do and have you done it? Um, obviously for people who haven't been to Cabo Press, I'm a big fan of masterminds. I'm a big fan of gathering a group of people and pulling them together in a weekly or biweekly um, schedule to talk through honestly, right? With humility and honesty to say, here's what I'm really struggling with and to let someone else have voice into that. That's awesome. And that's actually, I think, a good transition and segue. So I we would be remiss to... To you know, if we have Chris Lemma as a guest host of Mastermind.fm, not to mastermind around the topic of pricing just a little bit, because um, you have kind of set yourself up as the beacon of hope in the WordPress community that we can charge more, that we can have better profits, that we can increase our revenue, and 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 sure, there's lots of people that are now saying that, but let's be honest, in our space, you were one of the first who spoke up and said. For crying out loud, raise your prices. And kind of as a blanket statement. Now, we know not everybody can raise their prices, and there are certain circumstances, blah, blah, blah. But you have been that beacon of hope for the community that perhaps there is a better way. Um, Yeah. I also got the hate mail. But um, (laughs) I've I've read some of the comments, too. Yeah. And the kind of like, this guy doesn't know what he's talking about. And you go, "Uh, uh, okay. Well, hey, do me a favor. Keep your prices super low. And, uh, and I'm going to, I'm going to go up and, and, and we'll see where we see, right. Where we land. Um, but, uh, but yeah, let's talk, let's talk pricing. What do you want to, what do you want to talk about? Well, you know, I want to say, so you're, you're talking about pricing and actually encouraged us at Ninja Forms because when we were, we got a lot of kickback too, because we were selling add-ons, a single feature, if you will, an add-on at the same price that competitors were charging for their entire product. And so we got a lot of pushback from that. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm friends with the guys at Gravity Forms, right? They were taking shots on Twitter, right? Like, yeah. <laughs> who the hell would buy that product? Like, if you buy all the features of that product, um, you could get our product for like half the price, right? right. And and you go, uh, yes, that is true. Except you do realize that's not what's happening, right? People were not showing up to Ninja Forms and saying, "Let me buy all the features." They were saying, "I just need two features." So why don't I why don't I buy the the you know, get the free version and then buy two features and then I'm done and I'm paying less right so there is always going to be someone who says that's a stupid idea uh, there are also going to be other people who see what you did and copy you even though that's not right for their model right, right. and you just kind of go um, I can't I can't explain enough right copy someone's motivation don't necessarily copy their their actions, right? So yep. if the motivation is, I want to create new channels, new opportunities for people who only want to pay for that, which they're going to use, that's a great motivation. Copy that. But how you implement it, or I'm going to sell add-ons, um, when WooThemes rolled out uh, WooCommerce and the add-ons, the add-ons made perfect sense because you're like, I only need one shipping extension. I only right. need 
you know, one payment gateway. I don't need, but I need, in order for WooCommerce to succeed, there needs to be 800 payment gateways and 16 different shipping options. But I, as a store, only need one of each. The add-on model makes sense there, right? Yeah. Um, but then suddenly people are like, I'm going to use the add-on model for everything. And you're like, that's probably not going to work out well for you. Um, so there are always going to be haters. There are always going to be people who are unhappy. There are always going to be people who say that's a bad call. There's always going to be people who copy uh, the the action rather than the motivation. Um, but one of the things that we're still early, early on in seeing um, in the WordPress space is not product innovation, but business model innovation. And that's where you tap into pricing, right? Because when you talk about business model innovation, this is what happened with Managed WP and Infinite WP, right? Um, Managed WP, their old product uh, was open source and written the entire code base written as a plugin. Infinite WP said, great, I'm going to fork it, take the exact same plugin, but I'm going to change the business model, right? I'm going to give away the core for free and I'm going to sell add-ons uh, as features for pricing. And of course, the folks at Managed WP are like, I can't believe you just did that. Da, da, da. And you're like, they haven't even changed the code base. And you're like, right, they did innovate. They just innovated differently than you imagined them to innovate. They didn't innovate on the product. They innovated on the business model. Right. Um, whether or not you love that, right, whether or not you love that someone else does that is a secondary dynamic, right? And you're, when you're playing in the open source world, you're playing by rules. I can't take my couch, put it on my sidewalk, and then get mad when someone's sitting on it or they pick it up and put it in a truck because that's the rules of the game. If I put my couch on the sidewalk in front of my house, I'm, I'm, I'm saying I'm putting my stuff in a certain context and then the rules of that context apply. But business model innovation is something we've seen very little of in the WordPress space. Um, I expect that over the next five to 10 years, if WordPress uh, wants to continue to grow and keep and attract the top talent, we're going to have to see business model innovation. And if we do that, we're going to see different pricing. We're going to see different kinds of pricing. We're going to see, uh, you know, right now we have premium pricing. Uh, maybe there's someone out there doing some price skimming. Um, we definitely see, you know, product line versus add-on or optional products. Uh, we see some bundles, though we don't see a lot of good people doing bundling well. Uh, we see a lot of promotional pricing. We don't see a lot of geographical pricing. We don't see a lot of value pricing. Um, uh, we see a lot of penetration pricing, but frankly, uh, that's just going to end up with a race to the bottom. Not, not some, I mean, there can only be one low price leader. All the rest of them are almost low price leaders and that sucks. Um, so I think we're going to end up seeing a lot of innovation happen in this, in this space. If, if we want to keep going right? Because the world is going to require that someone in India can purchase your product and not spend a month's rent on it, right? And so you have, you have to go, okay, how do we think about this stuff, right? Yeah, so I have, so actually I have a, a use case or actually a specific case study with our own product that I'd love to, to, to kind of run off you guys and see what you think, see what your thoughts are on it. Um, but then I'd also like to come back to this idea of geographical pricing and what does that look like. Uh, so for us, so you talked about, you know, some some companies who are doing add-ons or doing bundles and they're not not necessarily doing it really well. Uh, at NinjaForms, we have three kind of membership tiers that we have instituted. They The first two are pretty much our core add-ons. Um, and that's like layout and styles, conditional logic, multi-part forms, and file uploads. These are kind of what people look at as kind of builder functionality to build their forms or make their forms a little more robust. Uh, and then we have all of, of course, all of our integrations and other add-ons like mailing lists and CRMs and payment gateways and all that stuff. 
And so we, when we launched three, we also kind of changed our pricing a little bit and offered these tiers. We have a personal membership, a professional membership, and an agency membership. And really the only difference between the personal and the professional other than price is the number of sites. And we actually offer a percentage discount on other add-ons. So when you go buy into the professional, you get a discount on other add-ons higher than if you come in at the personal level. Our whole goal, so I'll, tell, I'll come at it from the goal perspective, is we want to increase our buy-in into the ecosystem, into the NinjaForms ecosystem. So instead of spending $19 or $39, we'd like everyone to kind of come in at, as best as we can, pr- encourage them to come in at a $99 level. Uh, and that's kind of been our focus on that. So here's my question. I want to I want to kind of bounce off you guys. Um, my my operations guy Zach, he wants to do something. Uh, he wants to take our four big add-ons that are in the personal and the professional, and he wants to stop selling them a la carte. He wants to say, if you want those four, then you have to buy in on one of those membership tiers. You have to come in at ninety nine, or come in at the one ninety nine professional, or at the agency level. And we don't offer those four as add-ons. Now, they sell currently. We upped their price at the same time. We raised the price from to 99 We raised their prices for single site up to 49 So they've become more expensive to get in. So really, if you buy two of those at a single site, you could have just bought a membership, and you'd have two others and a discount on other things. So his thought was we should get rid of those four, even combine them into one single add-on, just make them a single unit so there's less, um, they can talk, they can communicate with each other better and they're just a single plug-in. But they are a part of the membership tiers, no longer sold a la carte. What do you guys think about that as a as a incentive to push people. Now, we there's numbers that we need to get. There's data we need to get. Like, how, how much more likely, if somebody bought, just say, Layout and Styles, would they be to buy the membership 99 level if Layout and Styles was not available on its own? And we're doing some research to kind of get some of that data. But I'm just curious what you guys thought on that in the spirit of just kind of masterminding through a topic and a case study and having an issue we're trying to solve. Um, if I had to start um, from my end, having used Ninja Forms, I think it's a good idea because eventually I, I do end up buying more than one of those add-ons. So I think it makes sense from uh, in terms of functionality to have it. So for me personally, I wouldn't have a problem with going for one of those packages. We've we've had conversations that that um, will sound really familiar now. Um, <laughs> You cannot possibly answer that question without first answering the question, which segment are we talking about? And unfortunately, Ninja Forms suggests to the world, much like every other form provider, um, that they are the most powerful, most flexible, easiest solution to ever work for forms ever. And you go, who's your target market? Uh, Everyone. And (laughs) I'm like, yeah, everyone means no one right? Uh, if I took my mom and I asked her to download uh, Ninja Forms, she would end up with a zip file on her computer. And that would be the end of where it goes, right? <laughs> and I go, but mom, you didn't upload the plugin. No, I didn't. It, it, all it told me was the download, right? And you go, okay. So it turns out it's not necessarily the easiest one. It, it's the easiest one if you know how to install plugins. You go, oh, well, let's go to the plugin place <laughs> and let's <clears throat> activate the free one from there. Great. All right, now how do you build a form, right? And and trust me, Ninja Forms 3 is awesome and it's easy and I love it. But who who are you selling to? Are you selling to a guy who's building out 
10, 20, 30 websites a year? Or are you talking to a person who's building one site for their lifetime? Easy looks very different between the two, as does pricing, right? What I pay for is often linked to what I'm trying to get at, right? If I want to put, at one point years ago, I wanted to put my TV in my garage. So I wanted to put the cable, right, the actual cable and even ethernet through the wall. So when I went to the hardware store, I said, I think it was something remarkably like this, hey, do you have one of those drill bit screwy things that cuts a hole that's bigger than just like, you know, a regular drill bit, but like a bigger hole? That, and they're like, you mean like, I don't know, like a doorknob hole cutter or whatever? And I'm like, yeah, one of those. So they gave me a special drill bit. You know how much the drill bit costs? I don't remember, but it was like $6. $6 to solve my problem to put my TV in my garage with a cable and watching. That's awesome. If they had said you need a different kind of drill and you need you know two or three different drill bits, plus you're going to want to seal some of this stuff up afterwards so the garage varmints don't get in your house, right? And suddenly it's a $2,000 job, I'm not interested, right? The cost of me solving my problem, right, is directly proportional to how much I value solving that problem. And when the cost goes up too high, I go, no thank you, right? So I can't tell you if taking those products off the market um, and only allowing them in a bundle makes any sense because I don't even know how your bundles make sense. I love your bundles. I'm a, I'm a buyer of your bundle. In fact, this last weekend, I bought the lifetime, buy everything, whatever. I'm like, here, take all my money. I want to own Ninja Forms forever and I want all the things. So I'm a huge fan, right? Sure. I want to be clear, but um, I don't know if the single website builder right, who wants to build a complicated resume management system on his site knows what extensions he needs. I don't know if the agency gal who runs 20 sites, but only, you know, every year pushes them out, but only does contact forms. Uh, I don't know if she knows what to get. I don't know if these people know, uh, everything. And so when I, if I talk to Zach or I talk to you, I'm talking to people who are inside the business. I'm talking right. to people who are looking at this all the time. And frankly, I'm talking to people who are looking at data in an aggregate form. This is the mistake people have when they start talking about pricing is they look at averages. And the truth is pricing decisions are not made in a group. Pricing decisions are made individually and different individuals may make the same pricing choice but they may make it for two different reasons. And I wanna make sure that I understand those segments so that I message and market to those segments and so that I create bundles that fit with those segments. Frankly, I would probably change the naming of some of these add-ons and change the naming of some of these bundles to tie better to a segment. And that would probably be how I get my $99 starting price because I would better anchor the message to the right segment and say, if you're this kind of person, here's the bundle you need at $99, right? And if you are ready to go further than that, because I know exactly who you are and what kind of thing you're doing, here's how you can do even more with the $150 bundle. And here's how you can do more with the $250 bundle, right? And that's completely different than if I start with an agency and I say, if you're doing this kind of thing, here's your $200 bundle. But if you're doing this, these kinds of things, I wanna make sure you're buying the $400 or the $600 bundle, right? And I wanna create aspirational paths for them, right? There is an incredible power when someone buys something knowing that they're buying into an ecosystem and that if they need more later, they can get it, right? 
It's a delayed or a deferred purchase decision, but it happens in the moment, right? If I buy Apple TV, I love that I can also then get all these other things with Apple TV. I may not buy them all, but I know I'm buying into the Apple TV ecosystem. Other people are like, I don't want that stuff. I want the Amazon ecosystem or the Google ecosystem. But once they buy, they buy into an ecosystem that says, I want to be able to buy more things. And so how you onboard those people to me is always about segment and message and the price then lines up with segment and message absent of segment and message. If all I'm selling on is price, right? I'm going to end up with both some confusion, but also with some attrition, right? And so the, the metric I would ask you to look at, um, over the last years as you've rolled out the memberships and everything else is what's your attrition like, right? And I would, I would distinguish between people who renewed on a weekend like this last one we just had where there's a big sale versus people who just renewed because they just renewed, like it was time to renew and they renewed. I'm looking at that attrition because it is often 5X in terms of cost and effort to get a new customer versus keeping an old customer. And we get so excited about new customers that we forget we're sitting on top of the best customer base ever, the people who've already said yes to us at least once right? How do I create an aspirational path for them? How do I say, oh, are you a Ninja Forms customer who is a, you know, website developer who's just getting started? Great. In year two, I don't just want you to renew. I want you to renew and step up to the year two package. I want you to step up to the more advanced package because you by now should be knowing how to do these things. And in fact, I'm going to spend all year educating you to get you to that place, right? Um, I smoke a lot of cigars and in general, people that I interact with who've never smoked a cigar are clueless, right? In fact, they may have tried one and tried the wrong one and they hate it. And invariably what I tell them is, start with this one. And if you start with this light one and you enjoy it a little bit, then you can always graduate to this next one. And if you do that, then we can get to that. And by laying out a path, what happens? They, they're like, I, I wanna be, like, not everyone, but many <laughs> of my friends are like, I want to learn more about cigars and I want to smoke the more, I want to smoke the fancier ones. I want to smoke the better one. I want to get better at this. People have their own aspirational drive to get better. That's awesome. Unfortunately, Ninja Forms doesn't show them the aspirational path. It doesn't tell them you're going to be at step A today. In a year, I expect you to be at B. And a year after that, I expect you to be at C. And frankly, if you did, right, I think not only would we lower your attrition, but we would actually drive your revenue up. Your existing base would become a core deliverer of more and more revenue over years rather than less and less. Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes perfect sense. And I'll be scheduling a consulting call a little bit later uh, this week <laughs> to, 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 to flesh out that a little bit more as it pertains to my business specifically. No, I appreciate that. because you're no, you, And we know you're absolutely right. And that is something that we're struggling with, right? Is not necessarily struggling with. I think we, we have an idea of the segments that we are trying to reach. And, and, and some of that comes down to really is what is a segment you do want to reach? And maybe it isn't the easiest like you don't have to know how to install a plugin we don't want those people necessarily we want people who are not going to come and ask us easy questions we want people who are only going to come and ask us the difficult questions so we can improve the product for those types of people right. um so we are working and, and through it's that a, it's a totally different message if this said ninja forms the most flexible technically powerful form builder for software engineers right yeah. Oh my God, it's a totally different, a totally different ballgame, right? You just said, hey, I'm, I'm talking to this group over here. 
right? Now, your price point may change, right? Your bundling may change, everything may change. If you said that's the segment I'm going for. If you punt the other way, right? Our, our friends, my, my buddy Syed, who you know, uh, th they did uh, WP forums, I think, right? And they're punting the opposite way, right? Forms for people who don't understand a form. And you're like, yes, there are those, that's my mom, right? And so you're like, yes, just pick which of the forms you want, click the button, and you're good. But when they start moving towards more complicated features, they will likely find dissonance because their customers are like, I, I, I don't need to do that, right? Um, I've never even thought about, or I don't even know the words that you're saying to me. So segment is critical, messaging is critical, and then we tie in price. Does that make yeah. sense? Yeah, that's 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 solid. Can I um, just interrupt? So I guess many people are are like you, James, and like in our case as well, we just built a product that we needed and then continued to evolve it based on you know what people were asking for. So we're already at the stage where we're like three, four years in, and we have never taken the time to focus on a particular target audience. Um, so Chris, what would you recommend? Would you recommend just like, would you ask us personally what uh, target audience we want to go for? Or should we just analyze what's, what, what we've been selling to whom we've been selling and start from there? Um, so it's a com I would say it's a combination of both, right? On the one hand, find out who's using you and particularly find out who is surprising you out of your customer base, right? There's going to be people using your product in a way that you're like, you're doing what with your feeds or you're doing what with the forms? Like, wait, what are you doing? And, and then you're like, are other people doing this? Right. And then you find out, Oh, about five, 6% of my base is doing this amazing thing that I didn't even know about. One of the most effective ways to sell when we talk about both segment and then messaging, right? Some of the best messaging comes from your existing customers because they say, I'm trying to solve problem X and I use your product to do Y. And you're like, I didn't even know, like I, that didn't even cross my mind. Now you put it on the page and other people are like, I have that same problem and I want to say, oh my God, I need to buy this product, right? So, so go back to your base and find out, okay, what are the stories that are winning there? Um, even what are the stories that are surprising there and how do I bring those up? And at the same time, then you start realizing, are there certain segments you assumed would be buying you that aren't? Are there certain segments that you want to go after? And start interviewing those people. Find out why they didn't pick you or find out what they did pick. Um, so that you have a better sense of that segment and what it takes, um, to sell to them I I invariably, right. I, I, I was just working with a client and I said, um, uh, last week we were on a call and I said, uh, so, so tell me about how you deal with RSS feeds. Right. And they said, oh yeah, we, we, I mean like we, we can do this, but we barely, you know, we barely ever do any of that work, et cetera. Right. And, uh, I said, okay, go to your product page, right? Go to your pricing page. And so they went to the pricing page. And I'm like, you have RSS written in this pricing page like 16 times. If I came to this website, I would think all you did was RSS-based. And you're sitting here telling me, well, my vision of myself, the way I see myself is one thing. And I'm telling you, when I read your, your pricing page, it tells me something completely different, right? Um, and that's that. there's lots of reasons why that happens, right? Historical reasons, everything else. But it's also because, frankly how you see yourself may not be how the rest of the world sees you. And so by having those conversations, you start getting that feedback that says, oh, no, no, I can do that or I can do it. And you change it, right? Um, I don't know if you've seen ConvertKit. Uh, uh, Nathan Berry, great guy, great product. It's taking off. But when he first put, you know, you know, like here's how you can do some outbound email or whatever, uh, didn't get a lot of traction, 
right? And he tells his own story, and you can go find it in, online. But um, when they changed the messaging on the homepage to say, um, you know, we do email software for professional bloggers, and you're like, professional bloggers? Do those people even exist? Do they still exist? Are there people who do it? And I'm I'm reading it, going, hey. I make money off blogging. Yeah, that's me. Okay, let me dig in and see what's going on, right? It's a narrow space. MailChimp doesn't say that. MailChimp says we deliver mail to everyone, right? Um, and yet, if you take a look at the revenue that ConvertKit's doing, um, which they share, uh, much much to my dismay, um, I just go, I go, uh, that's amazing, right? But it's because they, they found a segment and they focus in, right? So um, I'd say look at your base and have some conversations Find the find the places where you go. Okay, here are some ahas, and how do we start shaping our message? Yeah, that's that's awesome advice. I mean, and uh, remembering uh, in our case, we had people who are you know our RSS product was mainly intended for importing news, and we started getting people um, asking us you know about importing whole um, CMSs to WordPress, like Squarespace to WordPress, based on the RSS feed, and it had never crossed my my, my mind that we, yep. we could use our plugin for that. Yep. Oh yeah. Wait, wait till you're like, wait, you're doing what? And they're like, well, we use your product to synchronize six of our WooCommerce stores. And you're like, uh, you're going to have to explain what you're doing. Right. Um, it's, but it, but it happens and it happens all the time with products. So we've been talking about pricing from our perspective as, uh, as, as far as what, it, you know, being profitable and gaining revenue. But we did touch on before we kind of talked through that, we talked a little bit about this idea of geographical or regional pricing. And I just wanted to touch on that a little bit because Jean and I have talked about it back and forth a little bit. And it, from, from you know, my perspective, I definitely love to help people succeed. And so if my product will help them succeed, you know, I want to get it in the hands of the people that, that need it. But then again, I can't just, it's not easy, you know, easy for me to say, well, if you're in India, I'm going to charge you this much. But if you're in the U.S., I'm going to charge you this much and, and explain that and tell that story or, or even manage it administratively. Um, do, you, do you see other people talking about this, com- this issue of, of geographical pricing? And how do you see that being? Do you see anybody handling it well? I mean, it's just one of these tough topics. I don't even know even where to begin with how I would manage something like that. Um, so, Yes. Yes, there are people who are dealing with it, but none of them happen to be in WordPress. Um, So uh, the reality is that if you are if you are a a serious company uh, and you're you're global, your customers are global, you have to think through, you know, do I do a premium price in one market, a penetration price in another? Am I doing a discounted price in a third? Um, And and how do I how am I going to do it? Right. And you got to the core of the issue, which is implementation, implementation of this, of the, of these pricing strategies is difficult. Um, the truth is we live with this every day in our life and we don't blink, right? If I go to the movie theaters before 5 PM, I pay a different price. If I go to the movies after 5 PM, I pay a more expensive price. And I don't ever say, Oh, you're charging rich people more and poor people less, but that's what they're doing. Right? I mean, if you are jobless or if you are a (laughs) student, right? If you're jobless, if you're a student, or if you're elderly, retired, right? You can go to the movies at two o'clock in the middle of the day and you pay less. And if you are working, making money, and you can only go to the movies at 7 p.m., you pay more. So yes, pricing is different for different kinds of people, right? Now, the truth is, if you're a kid and you go at 7 p.m., you also pay more, but you don't pay 
right? <laughs> Your parent pays. That's what's happening, right? And they're rich. So they go, okay, no problem. So um, we live with this world. We live in this dynamic of different prices for different people, different times, different places. Um, we live with that. The trick is implementing it. And the trick is telling the right story, right? The right narrative. Um, you don't say, here's my base price, right? I don't even know what a movie costs these days. Um, I just bought tickets to the 3D, um, what do you call the big, the IMAX. I just bought tickets to IMAX 3D for Rogue One on December 15th. And it was like $18 a ticket. And I'm like, oh my God, movie tickets have gotten really expensive. But you know what doesn't happen is I don't, I don't say, oh, um, the movie ticket is normally $7. And then for me, it goes up to 18. I say the movie is $18, but if I go at 2 p.m., it comes down, right? So I anchor at the higher price and then I give discount for certain situations. And if you can get there at two o'clock in the middle of the day, right? And you don't want to watch it on IMAX and you don't want to watch it on 3D, then you can get it for $7, right? Um, so you anchor on the higher, then you bring it down. Um, and and you'll, you'll discover there's tons of research on the fact that you can anchor off anything and you can anchor anyone, even when you tell them, I'm about to anchor you. And then you still anchor them. And they're like, ah, I can't believe you just did that. So learning how to anchor well is is critical. Um, but I think the, the core of the issue, which you correctly surmised, is it's about implementation. And this is where I make my suggestion um, that every plugin provider should ultimately become a SaaS provider because the implementation of your product as a SaaS will actually allow you to do this kind of pricing better than the current plugin model as it stands. The current plugin model, uh, there are a handful of companies that do try and do the license key and be aware, but you'd have to do that, right? You'd have to know who's using my product in what geographical sector, and therefore you, you qualify for what kind of discount. And if you are in, you know, in one of these countries where we give you a 50% discount, it can only be used on sites hosted out of these countries and this, that. And so then you have to, you have to have a way to talk back and forth. And that doesn't work super well in the plugin model. It yeah. works better in a SaaS model. And so, um, I have 268 reasons why your plugin should be a SaaS. This is just one of them, but, uh, it's an important one as you, as you start uh, moving into an international or global space, understanding how to price in different markets, how to discount in different markets, and then how to manage and, and manage that implementation so that you know who's paying right and who is trying to game you, um, that is critical. And that is a technical challenge that I think is a lot easier as a SaaS than as a plugin. That's awesome. It actually leads me to the question is, when is your book on the 268 reasons uh, you should be a SaaS come out? <laughs> um, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking about it in a different way. Instead of writing the book, I'm, I'm thinking that ultimately we've seen enough discussion on, uh, on why you should be a SAS and, and it's not, it's not taken. And I don't think it's not taken because people say, I disagree with you, Chris. Um, uh, I think people fundamentally are saying, I agree with you, Chris. I don't know how to do it. Oh, I, I agree 100%. Yeah. I don't know how to do it. And in order to do it, then you need some things, right? The plugin developer, James, needs some things to be able to sassify his plugin. And so I think at some level, uh, that's that's one of the challenges I just want to start working on is how, how do we build the infrastructure so that um, James can 
sassify his plugin and his business without having to build all of the constructs himself. So look for that coming up. I, well, I, I'm super excited about it. And I, I, I agree. That is, you know, we at, in Cabo Press, right, we had a, con- we had a conversation about the SaaS space. And that, that session in the pool kind of became a case study of Ninja Forms transitioning into a SaaS. And so that's kind of on our radar, right? But you're, you hit the nail on the head, right? We, it's not that we think it's the wrong move. We absolutely know it's the only move that we can make as a product. It's the, it's the right move. It's the effective move. It, it opens up our, our market. It, it has, you know, more, more benefits than I can count. And yet what holds us back in the struggle is the challenge of we've never built a SaaS, right? We don't know what we need. We don't, you know, I couldn't tell you what you should pay a DevOps. Like I could, I don't know what, I don't even know, I wouldn't even know how to vet whether the DevOps knows what he's doing or she's doing. Like I couldn't even answer that question. And so there is that challenge of what is, and there were some great, and I would say, you know, hey, we got a lot of great answers in that session in the pool at Cabo Press uh, that helped us in that direction a little bit. But that is, I think you're right. I think in this space, there are a number of people that are badly want to move in that direction, but don't have the foggiest idea and are afraid to step in that direction because of the unknown. Yeah. So I think it's a worthwhile challenge to solve. Um, I think it's, uh, it, I'll, I'll make an announcement soon and, and uh, it'll be one of the things I, I spent some time on. Awesome. I'm looking forward to it. That sounds exciting. So very cool. I, John, do you have any other uh, questions uh, before we, we wrap up? We've uh, taken uh, quite a bit of uh, Chris's time. No, I think I'm really looking forward as well to this more explanation on how to build SaaS products because that's really what's holding us back and I'm sure other people in the space. So I think it's good to end on that curiosity, leave everything in su- everyone in suspense. <laughs> I, uh, I scheduled the SaaS conversation uh, at Cabo Press, specifically knowing that most people were like, what? We're going to talk about SaaS, but you know, like that—that's not our space. Only to hope that by the end of it, they'd be like, "Huh, I—I I should do this too." And the other thing I did was I didn't go to it, right? I—I—I <laughs> I, I let something else somewhere else because I'm like, I don't want to beat people up with it, so I'll let other people make my case for it. And what I heard at the end was that it was awesome, and uh, the conversation has gone really well. That Ninja Forms had been uh, a very active participant as well, and that was all awesome. So thank you. Um, I hope that by the time everyone came out of it, they went. Yeah, we we need to really we need to think about about how to how to move forward on this. My sense is uh, for the next five to ten years, for WordPress to get to its fifty percent, seventy five percent, one hundred percent goal, um, it's going to have to evolve past the model of building software where I give you the software, you go and install it somewhere else, and I know nothing about how you use it, what you do. Um, I don't know who's using it. I don't know what impact they're having. Uh, I don't know what features are most used or least used. I don't know any of that. I'm flying blind building product. Um, to me, that sounds like a horrific model uh, for any software development. And we've lived you know, this many years with it. And so we ought to be congratulated. But at some level, you go, no, we got we to gotta change things up. Yeah, I think you hear people talk about being data rich and information poor, right? Like, and and in WordPress, we're actually kind of both. We like we you know, we're trying to be data rich and information rich, but we're poor on both levels. We just don't have the data that we need. And you're right. Until you control the environment in which people are using your software, there's really no way to reliably know what you're dealing with. So I think that's a good word. I want to say on the pricing issue, real quick, that Chris Lemma has a book on. 
pricing called The Price is Right. You should check it out if you're dealing with pricing. I just want to kind of give that pitch. Go check it out and read his blog. It's awesome. Chris, thank you so much for being on the show. Take care. I'll talk to you guys later. See you next time. Bye, Chris. Well, we hope you enjoyed this interview with Chris. And uh, yeah, before we head into the final minutes or two of the show, uh, we have a great review from uh, Tara, I think. And uh, James, why don't you go ahead and read it out? Yeah, so the author of this uh, review is Design TLC, but this is uh, Tara. I, I met her in Cabo Press. She actually uh, uses Ninja Forms. She, I think, won one of our deals once at a WordCamp and has been listening to the podcast. So she says, uh, I like the conversational style of this podcast and the topics are relevant to business owners. I am a cheerleader for this show. I appreciate the mission of helping entrepreneurs be productive and successful while also being kind and supportive members of their community. Tara, thank you so much for leaving that review. We really appreciate it. Uh, we, we, we feel the cheers and, uh, and as we do for anyone who leaves us a review. And so just as Tara did, I just want to encourage you, if you've enjoyed the episodes that we've been putting out, if there's a show that you really enjoy, Head on over to iTunes, leave us a a five-star review, preferably any review if you like, Um, but we would love to hear from you. Uh, That kind of feedback, kind of hearing this information helps us, kind of encourages us and kind of pushes us forward to do more episodes, schedule more people, have more conversations around other topics. So, Yeah, for sure. Um, In fact, that's quite timely cheerleading as we have been uh, having a barren spell in terms of reviews and questions for the past one or two months so thanks Tara again for that review and actually uh, what something that me and James have been discussing is having a Facebook group where you could um, just ask questions or you know comment on on the content of our podcasts and I guess uh, if that's something that you would like please let us know and we'll make it happen as, as always you can al- always find us on Twitter at Jean Galea and at James Laws and on our personal websites JeanGalea.com and JamesLaws.com I believe that James has started writing again recently so you can cheerlead him <laughs> in my head I have you can cheerlead him to write more <laughs> And uh, yeah, that's it. If you enjoyed this episode, again, leave a review and we'll see you in the next episode of Mastermind.fm. See you next time. Ninja Forms. Minimalist presentation, unparalleled modular design, and limitless extendability. A mighty form builder that seeks to ensure your needs are met. Together with effortless WordPress integrations, an arsenal of supported extensions, and instant updates, you'll be hard-pressed in finding a more rewarding way to accomplish your form-building goals. Rest easy knowing unmatched documentation and an eager team of support ninjas await. Providing you the best tools, service, and resources, NinjaForms vows to be the plug-in that has your back. Swords optional. Get started now at NinjaForms.com. NinjaForms. We make forms look easy.